Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to the Roundtable Consult. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Williams, and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Attorney Sonia Madison, and I almost vomited in my mouth when I said wonderful, but good morning to you. <laughs> I didn't realize the truth destroys you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sound like these extreme Republicans who can't accept the fact that, hey, the government has to go on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. You're like, let's get right into it because I want to talk about this. <laughs> well, all right. So let's get right into it. Yes, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as the Speaker of the House this week. How does that make you feel? Um, I see the big smile on your faces. It's conflicted because on the one hand, I feel like, man, we Republican Party really does need to do a, a reflection they are clearly not only off the rails as it comes to how government works, but they don't even have a unification within their party. Mm. And so to some degree, it's like, hey, y'all clearly needed this. But then on the other hand, again, you, you can't get stuff done when certain positions aren't filled. And if there is no House Speaker, then the House is not going to be reviewing any legislation. And I feel like ultimately some of these extremists, that's what they want. They just want to dismantle government altogether in favor of a Trump dictatorship. Mm. And I'm just in awe that this has gotten to this point. And I, and I want to emphasize, this is the first time in American history that the Speaker of the House has been ousted. And, and also be clear, Kevin McCarthy, because you tried to blame this on the Democrats. It is your party's doing <laughs> that gets you, it, particularly you, because you decided that you were going to list as a condition for the position, the ability for one person to, to get a motion to vacate you out. But this is your doing. But again, this is, uh, it seems to be a, a clear path of just trying to dismantle government in general, and we're not stopping it. Yeah. Well, I think there may be a silver lining in this. Well, first of all, Kevin McCarthy did this himself, just not just because of the, he, he permitted that rule in order to get elected as the speaker. Uh, the other issue is, is that he understood that um, if he didn't bow down to the extreme right and his side, that he would require Democrats in order to help bail him out, which they came to the rescue with passing the bill to uh, the at least the continuing resolution. At least they passed a continuing continuing resolution to keep the government functioning, and that's only because he had Democrat votes. And then he subsequently went on the new circuits and started demonizing Democrats. You're like, dude, don't you realize that Democrats are the only ones who can save you in your position at this time? And so Democrats are like, look, if this is the way you're going to do it, then we, you know, no, we're not going to save you from your own party, from the attack of your own party, which makes sense to me. Uh, and then the other part of it is that you're not trustworthy. You know, we could come to your rescue. We could save you from being ousted. They could have saved him from being ousted, but he's not a man of his word. And so every time he makes a promise to someone, he winds up breaking that promise and going back on it. And so why would the Democrats then go ahead and put themselves on the line, possibly face backlash from other ex more extreme Democrats for having gone to say uh, gone to bat for him and they don't get anything out of it? Nothing, at least that they can rely on. I think there could be a good thing about this. My hope is that the moderates in the in the House will nominate somebody who's moderate, not Jim Jordan. Um, <laughs> no, it could be a, a slow closing crash. Right. If he gets in there. But anybody, <laughs> anybody else other than the only way that you're going to save uh, 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 the next speaker is one, if you get the far, if you appease the far right elements of your party, or two, if you involve the Democrats to say, hey, we need you 
in order to legislate. Huh, novel idea that you should actually need the other people from the other party to negotiate and, and create laws and pass laws. So it seems like they would want to, uh, to nominate somebody who Democrats can at least tolerate and can stomach. And, uh, and then hopefully some legislation can get done. We'll see if, if, they'll, if they'll do that over the next coming weeks when they nominate somebody. Well, and I will say, I do not want the Democrats to cave. I do not want the Democrats to um, ha allow a even a moderate Republican to be in, in that seat. And I understand what you're saying. To me, it's probably the more rational, mature thing to do. Mm -hmm. But it has just been so clear. Again, the Republican Party is such a mob. Such a, I mean, they they don't, they have made it clear that they are not going to put forth legislation that is bipartisan because of their extremists. I want the Republican Party to clean up their party before, again, Democrats have to start saving the day by having to, again, work with people who are so extreme that really what they want to do is dismantle the government. I well, want the Republican Party. You to know, in about party. 35 days or whatever, we still have the government might shut we, down. We still so, have, and, and also you know. to be clear, what was passed was pretty much, uh, hey, keep the status quo. We're going to, we're not going to touch necessarily Ukraine, but Ukraine already has funding. We're just not going to add funding. And we're going to make sure, again, everything that's in place, we're just approving the ability to add more money. So they didn't, it wasn't as if they, you know, made sure that there were any democratic um, policies in there. They just made sure the extreme Republican parties stuff wasn't in there, like the reduction in Social Security or the reduction in Medicaid. Like that, that stuff just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I, I, I mean, I hear you, and, and, and it makes sense. I'm just like, no, Democrats, keep keep standing your ground. <laughs> Do the thing that makes no <laughs> sense. Hakeem Jeffries all the way. You know, if yeah. anything, um, the, those moderate Republicans need to say, you know what. I'm no longer going to be aligned with these extreme. And if that means I need to go with a modern um, Democrat, if that means I need to go with a more conservative Democrat, then fine, I will do that versus Democrats having to go with a more conservative Republican or I moderate Republican, I should say. I think Joe Manchin might be in the running. <laughs> no. He's already, he's already Again, a closeted Republican. <laughs> Again, Akeem Jeffries or, like I said, the, the Republicans are going to have to come together on a more modern Republican. Mm. Um, but but that, I'm just like, the Republicans need to rein in their extreme party. Mm. Um, oh, well, we need to have a functioning government, and I don't think that's going to happen uh, over the next 35 <laughs> or however many more days it we have been before. Happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we got something else that happened that hasn't happened in history this week, and that is that a former president stood in court, you know, while he's being tried now, I guess, under a civil for a civil case. What do you make of what's going on with that? The clown show, they say it is over. Once now, again, so. <laughs> you cannot make this stuff up. I mean, the fact that what I mean, obviously, it was funny that he claimed he was denied a jury trial at the conspiracy. And then it turns out, no, your lawyers specifically checked <laughs> and waived a jury trial. But but also the fact that he is still going on social media, making threats to the judge, making threats to the clerk. And a judge has to admonish him in real time, force him to take it down in real time. I'm just, again, I'm just in awe that, uh, the former president of the United States, our leader is conducting this way. And we are not saying, hey, you are not above the law. Enough is enough. We're not going to let this go through. Well, I think it's just reflective of our devolving society. You know, that's, that's what it boils <laughs> down to, uh, because this type of behavior in years past would never have been tolerated. And we have such a, a devolution in our society that is, I think it's on a course that's is irreparable it's it's you can't change it it's going down that pathway and people are becoming more and more incensed more and more um what's the word i want volatile or you know they're becoming they're losing it they're becoming unhinged as a society and and i think we must necessarily progress down this path of anarchy which is where <laughs> it's going and the republican party is really helping to usher that in for us and 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 not to not to not to um demonize the republican party but you know the reality of it is it's human nature and so human nature will be as it is regardless of which political affiliation you you maintain if some of the same things were happening on the democratic side we'd be doing the same things as well we would well i mean I, but i feel like we would be holding democrats accountable we al frank and there have been democrats that have had to step down 
because of you know questionable behaviors and so and again i'm not saying democrats are perfect they're not i'm just saying uh, right now the republicans are just too extreme yeah well they 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 may (laughs) but right now we might have a composition of congress to hold each other accountable but eventually what will happen is those people will be replaced just like the ones like the moderate republicans have been replaced by the extreme factions of the parties and, you know, what would be interesting to find out is uh, the, the whole thing was the uh, senator, um, his wife killed somebody in a car accident. Oh, man, yes. I can't think of the name. Oh, but yeah, gosh. Menendez, yeah. Menendez, I think is who it was. Yeah, Menendez he's, is also his name. he's also under investigation. <laughs> yes. And so it looks like it looks like now that his wife some years ago uh, must have been involved in a car accident during which a man uh, was killed. And it was squashed. And, you know, they're now trying to find out how 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 intensive, how intense was this investigation into the cause of it. She apparently called 911 and said, a man threw himself on my windshield. (laughs) (laughs) Only certain people can say that. And and, and the dispatcher will say, that sounds okay. (laughs) Okay. You go on, carry up, carry on, carry on. We'll be sure to help you. Are you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Right. I don't think they they checked her for her blood alcohol level or anything around that sound, but it will be interesting to see what comes of that. And there are still some people who are kind of tight-lipped about not requiring that he steps down. And, you know, you can always justify everything that we do around here. We can find a justification for it. And you will find somebody who will say, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And um, and so right now they're justifying his his intention to stay in office and to um, while while he's undergoing this investigation, you know, the different Republicans will criticize it, but they did the same thing with Matt Gates. They said, well, he can continue to be in, you know, and <laughs> and guess what? It worked out for him because no charges were brought against him. So. Asking Menendez to step down. I mean, they are. Parking, they are asking to step down. Unlike, like you said, the Republicans were not asking Matt Gates yeah. to step down. Yeah, um, and but, I want to hit one more thing before we we move to our guests in terms of volatile because you mentioned volatile. I think it's broke breaking this morning that um, Israel has declared war against um, Palestine. I want to say not against Palestine, oh. but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and and again, I'm, I'm most not, likely, I guess. <laughs> you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, and I'm definitely not a historical scholar. But just just a brief, my brief understanding, um, starting. It makes sense biblically to start there. You know, we know that once the Egyptians crossed over Moses, Holy Land, that particular area is essentially Palestine. And so a lot of people may refer to it as the Holy Land, right? Um, But we also know through Old Testament fights, whatever, Jewish people lost it. We get to the New Testament, it's now onto the Romans that they have it. and, and again, while Jews are still there, we, we know that they still have influence and they have this hope that Jesus is going to come and <laughs> save them and reclaim the land. What they really got. Well, they was, don't call him Jesus. They still look for a Messiah. Oh, oh Messiah. Yeah, yeah, Messiah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, what they really got was some, uh, was Jesus who was prom- who started pretty much a whole new religion, how Christianity. So you got Christianity, Jewish, and you got the Roman Empire, all that. Now we fast forward to pretty much the 19th century and it's been taken over more so by arabs and um and the the more muslim nation and so in that they have obviously been attacking jews and now we but the rise of christianity the rise of god has now more become global uk decided hey i want to protect the jewish people and so they go take over the land and try to set up an area Israel just for the Jewish people. Well, as you can imagine, the Palestinians, the Arabs ain't like that. So they continue to fight, fight it out. UN tried to step in and say, hey, why don't we just have three sections? We put these, there's people here, these people here. Jewish people said, cool, yes, great. No, I'm cool. <laughs> Still the rest said, no, no, no. <laughs> because everyone is attacking us and we want to make sure we protect, you know, our our land, our people, whatever. So the the war raged, but there was still there was a wall bit or something built that kind of helped kind of isolate or separate the, the people. Well, Palestinians have been jumping over the wall. I think they've attacked whatnot. And so here's where we are. Israel's now saying we're going to attack back. United States have said we're going to defend Israel the best way we can, which is going to be interesting considering that, again, we've had extreme Republicans saying no more funding to Ukraine. So I don't know how they likely are going to 
be about us sending money over to Israel to help them aid in the war. But nonetheless, I'd imagine that's also going to be a talking point as we go into a new election cycle. Yeah, well, they'll support that, no doubt, because everything, because <laughs> I Israel, know, I don't know. these Israel extreme Republicans, do, Israel, well, those who are those who are evangelical believe that Israel can do no wrong, and they will not even, you know, the Bible because the Bible says whoever will be a friend to Israel will be a friend to me, and those who will be an enemy to them. So they take that to heart and say, well, that means we must be able to palliate anything that. Um, Israel does. No, that's not what being a friend is. Being a friend is saying, when you're out of line, I'm also going to reprove you. I'm going to reprimand you. But the minute somebody who does something like that, I think Biden got into a lot of trouble with uh, the Republicans because he was like, look, I think that this is the wrong thing for Israel to have done in the first place. It doesn't mean that um, doesn't mean that we don't support them or anything like that. And in fact, a friend would, you know, I think there's a scripture in Proverbs that says better is the um, is the chastening of a of a friend than the kiss of an enemy, you know. And so what happens is that, you know, we have to we have to keep those things in perspective that every chastening that you get is not necessarily with evil intent and and, and indicative of disfavor. Um, but so many bad things going on in the world today. We need to have a little laugh every once in a while. <laughs> we know. need to have more Typically. laughter. Typically, we see you when there's a chuckle, but now we're <laughs> exactly. Gonna... <laughs> you know, it makes you so happy when I'm around. So, uh, but <laughs> but, but yeah. we actually have an actual comedian that may get us our belly laughing. Right, no pressure. But we we have Tariq Galloway. I call him Ty. Really good friend of mine, but also a comedian. He is for the most part his day job is is participating in the military, but his hobby, his passion, his natural talent is functional dysfunction comedy. <laughs> I'm kind of putting that word in there. Um, he started performing in 2007 at Funny Farm here in Atlanta, and he's continued on through various other outlets and venues here in Atlanta. I'm sure he's going to be national and, and probably global <laughs> within any minute if my his wife, my line sister, didn't say about it. And he's also <laughs> into observational comedy as his niche and, and, and as his passion. So thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate you waiting until you got on screen to comb out that beard and make sure you look all good. <laughs> um, please go. throw down these gang signs. And I'm, yeah. just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is also a good brother of mine. Another brother of the Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Frat, so nice you got to name it twice. Oh, Asa, new Pat. What's going on, my brother? Man, Welcome thank you all for consult. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Seems like Sonia Madison is a bit of a comedian. <laughs> Sonia yeah, Madison just, is just Yeah, funny. but looks aren't everything. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So yeah. tell us, Ty, like, you know, a lot of people like myself are funny, but that doesn't mean they're competing. So what made you not only decide this is a, a career or passion that I want to pursue, but how did you even go about determining how to pursue that, that career path? Um, I think for me, when I first got, comedy has always been natural to me. And um, it started when I was single digits. I want to name how old I am now, but when I was single digits, I did stuff that was funny and it rewarded me opportunities. So like my grandmother and I were super close, 50 years apart. And when I say close, like we hung out a lot and it allowed me to tap into an older audience, an older understanding and ability to communicate with people and it be received well. That uh, opportunity led to treats, snacks, toys so I was like wait a minute I'm on to something fast forward uh I'm originally from Baltimore Maryland I was raised in Annapolis Maryland but um in Maryland we moved around a lot and because we moved around a lot it was it was incumbent upon me to fit in and the best way to fit in is just be like hey that's the funny guy um, so when I came back to Maryland, I went to Annapolis and I mean, there was always dead space. And I was like, you know what? Laughter is needed in this space. So I did my thing. Uh, 2007, I think I went to go see, uh, oh, I can't think of the brother's name. 
But I was at Funny Farm. They had a little thing on the, uh, a little card on the table. Said, "Hey, you want to learn how to make your funny? You want to make yourself funny? Um, come to this class. We'll take your funny and help you, uh, you know, kind of package it." I was like, "That'll work." This was a class. It was a class. Roswell. Oh, Jordan. Wow. Shout out to Marshall Childs, who owned the Funny Farm. He now owns a club that you came to see me at, so yeah. Okay. Uh, Laughing Skull downtown. And then uh, big up to my boy, uh, Big Kenny. He was my guru, if you will. Walked me through how to make my funny, interject here, do this. And uh, I fell off military, traveled, went to Afghanistan. And, you know, but... Once I got back on my feet, my wife and I talked about it, and she was like, "You know what? Do what you love." And here I am. So nothing like a supportive black woman. Anything right, Mark? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, a supportive woman, whether she's black or not. But you know, it's it's good that she, it's good that she's supportive. Hey, right? nothing like a supportive black woman. I said what I said, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm just I'm just saying for all my brothers out there whose women ain't black, black. You know, you still, you know, you still, hopefully you still have a supportive woman though, but anyway. <laughs> well, tell so, us, how did you determine your niche? Because I mean, I, I think when, at least for me, you know, Dave Chappelle uses a lot of current events to make it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some people may find it not funny, right? right. Um, but then like a Kevin Hart uses, I guess, his more personal life like to make it funny. And I think Courtney Wayne, I think is similar, even though from my perspective, having 10 kids by five different women isn't necessarily funny but how did you decide okay this is the niche I want to stick with and this is the niche that I'm most funny I believe that you can five people can see the same thing and get different things from it and we are taught when I say we black people we are taught to maintain an even calmness through society as we go about life and disturbing the status quo is not good however I'm like hey did anybody see that lady just trip up I know we're not supposed to talk about it but I saw it and no be quiet okay I'm gonna be quiet but it's needed it's the news does it. They just put a negative spin on it. So why can't I put a positive spin on it? You get what I'm saying? Yes, positive so, spin on getting tripped up. I get it. Right, exactly. Being comfortable. <laughs> it's it's still too soon for science. Right? <laughs> 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 it's still too soon after she fell off the watermelon truck or the apple truck, whatever it was. <laughs> too soon. Sorry. But She's man. still healing. She's but got man. the scars still. So. Yes. Oh, if only Todd was there to, to yeah. exchange my tears for laughter. It would have exactly. been <laughs> because your leg is like this. Doesn't mean. Listen. Just remember, your tears brought other people laughter. Oh yes, my so pain really brought joy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that think that's Trump's philosophy as well. Oh. The pain of black people brings joy for white people. It is. What it is. Gosh, you, know, you can't you can't have all those people poisoning the blood of America. You know? I, know, I know, right? You know, he actually <laughs> he actually recently quoted that that was you know he's gotten some backlash recently about using that phrase phrasing which was some of the similar very similar to what Hitler has uh used as well talking about the the blood of the nation is being poisoned by the immigrants and uh so when you see these things um I I think you rightly said Ty that you know people can look at five people can look at the same thing and see two totally different uh outcomes or see two different perspectives from it or multiple different perspectives we see that play out constantly in the um in the in our political world today which is i don't know if it's becoming more prevalent for us or if it's just that i'm getting older and then i'm paying attention to it more i don't know if young people are paying attention to this or not or if they can actually avoid some of that and they probably can't avoid it by not watching tv because they're always on youtube or something well, else and Ty, like. i will answer for the young people but you answer as the comedian <laughs> <laughs> And the delusional people in the room, raise your right hand. (laughs) Don't be shy, girl. Don't be shy. Don't be quiet now. All right. (laughs) Um, It's weird because 
I really didn't get into politics until like 01. And that's because I got deployed and my life changed forever. Um, but paying attention to it for me, and again, I'm answering the question on just the politics and how they've changed, right? Mm-hmm. And what so, have it changed for comedians? Because like, I, I take it you guys approach it differently. Like if you look at the evolution of if even like a daily show, I mean, that kind of started oh, well before well before Trump took office. You know, well, so brilliant, they, you know, yeah. They, yeah, there's a community, you can laugh to some degree at what was going on, but I, now it seems like the evolution is, I don't even know if we can laugh too much anymore. Like the, poli- the poli- policies have gotten. It's so absurd. Yeah, to your point. So the Daily Show definitely, Daily Show, and I would say um, the guy with the glasses at the talk show. I can't think of his name. Stephen Colbert or? Colbert, Donald. yeah. Both of those guys. So they definitely shed a light. They've shed a, 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 a political light with comedy to say, hey, look at this hypocrisy. Um, and for me, again, 01, you know, I was worried about what I was worried about. And I didn't really become aware of politics until I deployed. You know, I deployed, I went overseas, 01, and, you know, emotions were high. And, you know, nine months later, I'm like, I mean, it was just some buildings. You get what I'm saying? Like, wh- what are we doing over here? And then when the war kicked off in 03, you start thinking about like, hey, it's brothers that look like me. I'm getting shot at. What are we over here for again? You get what I'm saying? So you have to evaluate the situation and say, huh, why are we here? And then what are we benefiting over here? And then the kind of what you guys alluded to before I came on, the um, it's almost like the selfishness of the leaders has you have to see it and kind of be like, does anybody else see this? And and there's truth in comedy. So that's I think what comes to light in nowadays that if you're not political, you just have to make make light of i mean from that from president mayor i mean like the mayor of tallahassee come on embarrassing yet hey when 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 the sun set is it too soon can we write okay was he naked did did he have clothes on like come on man like (laughs) you know and we were all on his bandwagon let's be honest you know what i mean oh man he and then DeSantis got in. So that was, oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I, I get you now. So <laughs> that, that exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, he was in the wrong party for that one. You were. <laughs> you were. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to change my party affiliation. I am exactly. now a Democrat, and I believe in LGBTQ. Right. Hey, turn up that macho man, son. I think it's pretty great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So question for you. So you were deployed uh, to Afghanistan and you were in active involvement and actively involved in in war and fighting, correct? Do you find comedy in that? And is it is it um, is it taboo at some point or another to even while you're in the midst of it to be able to find those moments like, did you see that? And or is it necessary even for that matter at some point to to take a reprieve and and see some of the humor that's in some of the tragedy in my field, they call it gallows humor is that we see we deal with a lot of things that are uh, are kind of heavy on you as a medical professional and you deal with people dying all the time and then you may make a joke about a certain thing amongst your peers that other people who are not part of that field would be like, oh, that is so callous and that is so cruel. How could you say such a thing? But everybody else who participates in it catches the humor in it, that gallows humor. Do you see a similar thing like that sometimes in the midst of war? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when we have a missile shot at us and shout out to the, um, I can't even remember, my mind is gone now. But um we were being shot at from Iraq, Patriot missiles. So the Patriot missiles would intercept the bombs that were shot at us and they didn't have the most 
uh, high-tech GPS to find us and kill us, but they were getting awfully close. You know, you only got to be right once. So I remember they had us uh, in the hallway. We had on Mop 4, Mop 4, four levels. Mop 4 is you got on all your chemical gear, which contains charcoal, which keeps you from getting infected. So you got all this chemical gear. I'm from Baltimore, so if anybody's seen The Wire, I'm like, oh, this is just a Saturday, more or less. It's just bigger, bigger weapons. But I remember us being in the hallway, men and women, and everybody sitting in there. And it's kind of like the uh, 60s when they told you to go under the desk for the nuclear. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm looking and I really have a problem with silence and sadness. And I'm like, yo, I can't, if I got to go out like this, we going to laugh. I can't have everybody just sitting around this joint. And the purpose of MOP4, like I said, is to keep stuff from getting on you. So I made a statement and it actually broke the, the fear. And I said, hey, you guys, if you guys are scared or if anybody has to go to the bathroom, you can actually take a shit on yourself because nobody will smell it. And everybody started laughing. It was just like, well, you, you, you know what? We are kind of tripping. Like nothing's even gotten close enough to hurt us. Let's calm down, take a step back and trust that the weaponry that we have to protect us is here to do what it does. So yes, to your question, there were times in the midst of it um, that, you know, we were under attack and I'm like, hey, listen, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But what I'm not going to do is be cowardly in that space. Mm -hmm. You know, comedy does hopefully bring people together, but I also know it could, it could separate us. I feel like um, if you were looking probably 20 or so years ago, particularly with your observational comedy, I'd imagine you could do a stand up and start making fun of whoever dresses crazy or whatever you, you know, see. Right. But now, I mean, do you worry about cancel culture? Because I feel like if you start making fun of a guy in a dress, I don't know if people consider it funny anymore. Unless the guy is Donald Trump. And even then, you right. may, you who's going to come to his rescue with that? Wait a minute. Uh -oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. like Chris Christie called him what Donald Duck. I don't right. know. If it, <laughs> and we got to wait for the Disney lovers to attack him. Like, wait a minute. Well, again, as, as well as MAGA people, like like I said, I mean, you've got people going after the judge. You've got. I mean, it just seems like anyone that kind of crosses Trump to some degree then has to rally their family to say, hey, we might have to have a window of protection for a while. And that's the scary part. You know, I'll get to the question that you asked, but the scary part, all these groups, based on what you were saying the first 10 minutes, all these groups feel empowered. And, you know, I have an idea of how you guys grew up and it was basically do as I say and not as I do. Hmm. But I think everybody does what they want to do now. and there is no uh, accountability for it. So with your question, um, I did a joke when I first started was like, um, I had on a camouflage, I mean, I had on a, um, yeah, I had on a camouflage bracelet and then it was something supporting some church thing or whatever. And I said, this guy came up to me and was like, hey, what you doing slim thing? And I said, he was a colorblind gay dude. <laughs> and, <laughs> I have, shout out to my, you know, LBGTQ family. I have people in my family who are that loving to death. I have nothing against them. And again, I think every group of people have some idiosyncrasies about them that we can all laugh at. You know what I mean? So I worry about what you presented to me as a father more than I worry about it as a comedian, because we all know that, hey, Frank, you didn't have to wear the hot pink boots. You could have wore, you know what I mean? Good to wear your suede yellow ones. You're doing too much. Right. And you'll have a son that says, I want to do what I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to wear my high pink boots. And if I come home with a black eye, you can go. <laughs> right. Out, right. And then that's when I have to do this and be like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, sorry about that. Yeah. So. So that you don't, you don't worry about someone throwing a can at you because you know that people are now throwing stuff. Um, and, and I take it. To some degree, I'd imagine at least <coughs> like a Dave Chappelle or, or some comedian or even a Stephen Colbert or John Oliver, I feel like their purpose is to use comedy to send a message. And then there are comedians like a Kevin Hart or whatever. Their purpose really is to just make you laugh. Right. I mean, and so 
So I don't know where you fall, but I'd imagine, you know, particularly if you're doing observational, maybe it's more laughter. But at the same time, like you said, you are a father. I'd imagine there are still some things that you still may present in your comedy as concerns that you have while making light of it, but still trying to yeah, send a message. I try to send, well, I always try to make a message because, you know, there is truth in comedy. And once we can laugh at it, and if it sticks with you, hopefully you'll learn something from it. You know what I mean? So um, I do a joke about going overseas and they said we were going to war. There are three things that you have to give them if you get captured. And I'm just like, hold up, wait a minute, captured? Like, yo, are we giving up before we start? Like, first, let's address that. Let's go over the plan. Are you telling me you're going to put me in a position where I'm getting captured? Exactly. (laughs) Right. You know, I don't think teams go in there and be like, all right, guys, when we if we lose, like, wait, what? Hey, coach, I need to talk about winning. Let's do that first. So um, I always try to make sure there's a message and I don't, I don't, I don't go for the low-hanging fruit when it comes to laughs because the low-hanging fruit is easy and it falls in the pool of ignorance sometimes because it's just, ah, look at that gay dude. You know what I mean? Like, um, I feel a little bit more evolved from that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think, I think there should be a message in everything that's said, and I make sure that the message is a thought-provoking message and not just a message of believe this because I believe this, you know what I mean? How would you feel? And I think that's the, you know, the compare and contrast that I do with the jokes when I do present them and say, hey, think about this on your way home. You know what I mean? So. There, there are, um, <laughs> I've gone to, I've gone to um, several comedy shows. There was one, um, Earthquake actually one. Oh yeah. I was and, gonna say, we're supposed to pause for a shock. Wow, Mark, you go to comedy shows? Yeah, you, I know. You Person. actually know how to laugh. And- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I, why do you think I show up here opposite you every week because <laughs> I enjoy a good laugh every Saturday but uh I think his most recent uh tour this was within the past year he's been touring in and one of the criticisms that a friend of mine gave him who also went to the show before me and saw it before me he's like yeah he was preaching the whole time and you know i don't think he should be preaching just get up there and make me laugh and everything and so i'm and i and i listened to what he was talking about um and i don't know that i would necessarily say he was preaching but a lot of times people do get that uh comedians do get accused of of quote unquote preaching whether it's not necessarily the gospel but it's it's some moral lesson lesson or something like that and it seems to tune certain people out but then some people can do it and and they can do it in such a way where people don't even realize they've been preached to right Uh, Right. and and so in your class when you take this class are these like the lessons that you learn or is it just something that becomes innate to say okay when you getting ready to go into something heavy like this and you're trying to give a um to 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 bring home a message then this is the way that you deliver this is what we found to be the most effective method now i'm a phd so i'm a researcher right, so i would right. be looking for hey has anybody studied this he are there any statistics how to make people laugh he's not naturally funny <laughs> So not only was primary education not enough, he had to go get a PhD to learn how do I make people laugh because I just bring tears and I just want to start bringing laughter. So school him. He he still needs more help, Ty. How do you do it? Hey guys, I'm Ty Galloway. This is Family Feud 2. So both because both of you guys are educated, I look at it like this from the class standpoint. Hey, did you see that cat jump up on the table, write something funny, and then you come back and rewrite it? Because the first thing you wrote was good, but when you go back and look at what you wrote before, how can you improve on that? And I think that's one of the things that comedians do because uh, one of the formulas in comedy is make a left when they think you're going straight or you're going to make a right. You get what I mean? And that's what the unexpected is like. I didn't even see that coming. That was great. And that's what the class kind of embellished, helps you embellish on. Like, how can I take these guys on this ride 
one, let them know, let them lose track of time, two, and then they take, they go home with something like, hey, you know what? I didn't even know that show was an hour. I didn't know he talked for an hour and a half. Did you, did you like the part when he talked about, no, nah, I didn't even think about that. Hey, you know what? We need to do, we need to look at ourselves because we are the people he was talking about in the, you know, oppressive nature or, you know, you know, dare I say white privilege. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> he but, didn't say that on the roundtable console. Oh, I apologize. The opinions and views expressed by guests on the roundtable console <laughs> do not necessarily <laughs> reflect the views of the roundtable console. Okay, I've had on. to say that so much because of what Mark says that Mark knows <laughs> But I mean, those are the things that you try to bring to light because again, so case in point of what I just said, I remember us being in the military, we had an officer's meeting and one of the officers who was very senior, some 15 years plus, she said this is, and I was in East Point, Epern. Um, She said, this is the first time I've ever worked with black officers. And I, I don't know how to deal in this situation. That's a real thing. And we have to, as black officers can be like, what, you, did you choose all those white assignments? No, we have to be aware that, hey, your, your path to where you got to brought you here. So rather than um, crucify you for not being around us, let's teach you so you can be better when you go somewhere else. And I think it's the same thing with audience members. When you don't hear something or you're, you get a shock value, rather than criticize, listen and see what the point is. And if it does offend you, then yeah, okay. No more money is going towards this comedian or this, this brand of show. But if it's being said, it might be a reason it's being said. And just process it. Because it may not affect you, but it's a million people plus in this world. Do you go back and look at your performances and critique it oh, afterwards? Man, yeah. I cringe. I cringe. Because oh. <laughs> you always want the perfect show and it's never going to be perfect. You know what I mean? So I have, I write out my jokes and then I'll go back and be like, man, I left out a whole line. Audience doesn't know it, but I know what I wanted to deliver. So mm -hmm. that's what that's, I'm Is that why a lot of comedians do so many tours? Like, you know, hey, let me try yeah. this again. <laughs> in Atlanta versus right so you consider a Trump a, a comedian because I mean he makes fun of this yes. people he you know but it, but the, and then if you do should there be some type of moral responsibility to comedians like that because we, we give corporations moral responsibilities we we give politicians moral responsibilities you know we're I'm in the legal profession I've got my whole you know moral civics ethics that I have to abide by same with with Mark and the medical is that is comedy is there moral ethics anywhere or is it free for all if it makes someone laugh then it's gold even if that offends a group of people i think it's based on a person because you should have a moral compass in order for you have morals and you know if you don't you should, but i just want to know in the professional because i mean some professions not only if you you know there's ethics rules and if you cross that line we will re remove the privilege of you having this this profession this license I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe comedy in the same way, but when I think, you know, Donald Trump and him making fun of someone that was disabled um, or even the latest one, poisoning think, you know, the U.S. I mean, people, like again, people laugh or whatever he got. And that was what his point was when he made fun of a disabled. It was to get people to laugh. But should there be a, nah, you crossed the line or no. But who holds him accountable? Yes, to your point, your question, yes, it should be, but Again, like I said, I was listening to you guys intently the first 10 minutes. And yes, the Republican Party needs to clean up because nobody there is hope. Everybody is, we said in Baltimore, I'm out for self. And if you can help me get more for myself, then yeah, I'll look the other way. But I have a problem, and this maybe you can address this, but I have a problem when you supported Donald Trump and then you go run for re-election. Like, did y'all forget what he just supported? How can you guys re-elect right. Well, and I can't even laugh. It'd be different, you know, because I feel like before when he ran in um, 2016, people took it as a joke and too many people were laughing instead of being like, no, hey, y'all, this isn't funny. Right. And then we, we get him. Um, and so I, but I don't know then if we say, hey, it's on us 
we now need to have a hard line as to what's funny. Or again, if we say, hey, that's comedy and that we don't, we don't regulate comedy. If it makes someone laugh, hey, freedom of speech, tough luck. Sorry that that oppressed a group of people in the process. Right, right. But, but I mean, if you view it as an art form, then what other arts are regulated other than, you know, what can be presented to children, basically? They're, they're just saying comedy is an television, art. Like even art, like, they'll blur out certain things. I mean, there's there you still have FTC, you know, guidelines that what will govern what you can say to in, in certain platforms. Um, but here we have a president who, get, again, gets is on major platforms doing all this stuff. It's like, should, hey, wait, should there be a, a, a line here? Put him on a chitlin circuit. <laughs> Put him on a chitlin circuit. And tonight's headliner is former President Donald J. Trump. Let's see huge, how that works out. Huge. <laughs> but it seems like every time a line is drawn, a wave comes and wipes it away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know that. I do. You're like, hey, this I, is I guess it. I'm you asking for y'all, y'all comedians, to come together and say, "Hey, <laughs> but the, we, we got too many people hurting because of our comedy." But going back to what I was saying before, uh, disabled person, uh, <laughs> he has what he said. He the blacks. Did he say it was him that said the blacks? Yeah, he yeah. did. Okay. And, then, and that was probably the least problematic thing of all the stuff right, that you're about right, to list. Right. <laughs> he called Mexicans you, rapists and murderers. He said he can grab someone by the genitals and be right. okay. And people are laughing at this, right? I mean, oh, people, his taxes now, which is coming to bite him. Like, I just yeah, I can shoot the someone and y'all will still vote for me. I mean, it just oh. you know, and people are laughing. And again, you know, I don't want to. I am grateful for this opportunity to be on this show. But again, like I said, there are certain things certain people can say and there's certain things other people can't say. And the people that hold them accountable are biased. It seems to be it seems to be a bias because there's no line. So who do we who do we look to to hold that line? Because again, even in the comedy, there are people, there's a spectrum. And I think just everybody falls on a spectrum. And now that the spectrum is so wide because there are so many different groups of people, it's hard to govern and, and hold people accountable because you're like, oh, they're just saying it down there until it comes down to their spectrum. And it's like, wait a minute, I've got a problem with that. So. And I, I think every unspoken rule, at some point it exists until somebody pushes the envelope and pushes the limits of it i mean even we talk about the dress in the in the uh house or in the senate dress code now you got fetterman who's now saying well why do we have to wear a tie why do we have to wear a suit why can't i wear a hoodie and shorts and now there's a lot of people in the uproar about that because because at least right now for the short term people are bothered by that envelope being pushed or the limits being pushed and that's, I think, one of the beauties of, of comedy is that you can actually push the limits of what people can tolerate. Now, the question is, is, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on which limits you push. You right. know, it depends on which limits you push, because uh, I remember at, at the time, at least, you know, I don't not that I was alive back then, but back when my when my parents when our parents were growing up there were certain things you just weren't going to be able to criticize in right. public as as a common person you know yeah you there's a colored drinking fountain over there and yeah. you know you can't say that kind of and if you if you bucked it bucked against it you know your life could be in jeopardy but right. somebody and i think a lot of times comedy pushes those limits and identifies the absurdities of some of the things that we consider to be normalities that uh, then we say, yeah, why do we do that? Yeah, we probably shouldn't be this way. And comedy, I'm grateful that it does have that edge to be able to, to present it to people and see their own idiocy. I agree. And, and I think with that, the evolution of us was we didn't have anything. We got something that sucked. Stay there. Make sure your kids can do something better. And we're at, my kids now don't know about the, the struggles of what we had to go through, the things we couldn't do. And we try to empower them 
and still remind them that, you know, things could change and I don't want to put too much heavy stuff on you, but so you take that into the comedy world, you know, there were the Chitlin circuits and then there were the, the circuits that we wanted to get onto. And once we got onto it, Sammy Davis Jr., you know, pre-making pre drink Bill Cosby, you know, we got onto those circuits and we were able to entertain those people. And I think that's why even when Eddie Murphy was saying that Bill didn't like his comedy, he's like, yo, you shouldn't have to speak like that to entertain these people. But what audience was Bill Cosby talking to? You get what I'm saying? He was trying to appease one audience. Eddie Murphy is like, yo, everybody gonna get what I'm giving them and they're gonna like it. So again, it's all about who we look at as the standard maker and, and is that something that we wanna follow or do we wanna change the standard? And is it, are we changing the standard for the better or for the worse? But are you saying we being the people having to determine the standard or we being the comedians? I'm saying, I'm saying across the board, it's always moving. So, you know. Um, so essentially y'all comedians don't govern yourselves. You look to us as the people making you laugh to govern you. So like for me, getting back into comedy, I go to open mics. Every open mic I get, this is just crazy math. Every open mic I get, if I can get two to three fans. Regardless of the joke. Regardless of the joke. You're good. Well, the joke to my standards. Because again, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what matters. Yeah, but at least then you are, you as a comedian is creating the standards. <clears throat> but me. I feel like um, what you're saying is, hey, that's why cancel culture has, has kind of surfaced because now we got people counseling certain comedians versus the comedians themselves governing whether or not something crosses the line. Yes, I did Laugh in Skull and there was a transgender comedian, had a beard and everything. It was like, before I changed and I was like, wait, what? I don't even know how to receive the, based on the information you just gave me, everything right. else is like, womp, 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 womp. <laughs> <laughs> because I see it on TV so much, but I have never been in the presence of. And of course, I show love and everything. Hey, good set. We know yeah. once everything. But don't settled. hug me. <laughs> but the point is, like, I'm of this ilk. If you're not, if you're not leading January 6th riots and nobody's getting hurt by what you're saying. Hey, do what you got to do. Say what you, everybody, everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. You go to a barbershop, everybody got a story. You go to a salon, everybody got a story. Some are, I'm not hanging with her once I get my hair done or once he gets his hair cut. And then some people are like, yo, I can jive with that. It's the same thing in comedy. Exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, I think, I think we probably shouldn't try to make comedy into a profession. It still is an art. And, right. and when when it becomes a profession, then yes, you probably do have those professional um, codes of conduct. The reason why is because when you're in a profession, everybody should be able to partake of the service that you offer. But when you have an art, my piece of art is not going to appeal to everybody. I have a niche market, Amen. and and I'm just thinking about even when with my with my recording my music. I'm like, not everybody's going to buy my music. But then the people who are assigned to me, the people who love to hear this rich baritone tenor uh, to the voice, you know, people who like to hear that, mostly women in their 60s and 70s. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, made me forget I was in church. <laughs> but, but, but not but, every, but and I recognize that. Mark, but so. even with that, like you, like you said, even if your niche makes certain people laugh, it could hurt other people. Is that no, is that, that doesn't matter because I, I mean, to me, I don't care if you're, if you want to say it's an art, I mean, I'm gonna call it a profession just because if you're making money off of it, then that to me is, is the metric. But if, if you want to call it an art and your art oppresses people, even if it uplifts others. In your profession, if, when you, when someone goes to court, there's going to be somebody who wins and someone who loses. Based somebody's going to benefit somebody's going to be hurt 
And uh, both parties are involved in that process. It's not like I'm going to go make the white supremacists laugh and too bad these black people over here don't even know what I'm saying. I'm rallying up a group in the process and the black people aren't even able to start preparing to defend themselves because they don't even know that a group is being rallied. But, but what you, you have don't... to remember is that they're coming to a comedy club and they have to be prepared for that. When you go to a gun range, I'm, you saying, think I'm it, saying if a comedian decides to go to a comedy where it's white supremacist only, like that is their audience. No, I don't care. You're going to listen to these jokes about because again, no, I'm saying people, I wouldn't be there. I'm saying black people wouldn't be there. So the white people would be laughing because they're white supremacists. I'm sure he's catered their jokes to them. But in the process, to me, I'm, this is what Donald Trump did. <clears throat> Excuse in me. the process, you're rallying up a base, and the other side doesn't recognize. Oh, wait a minute, I'm about to be at war. And so, because if you're going to compare it to the judicial system, both sides understand there is a dispute. But in this instance, we don't, we as Black people don't recognize that the dispute is being rallied up until we've got a Donald Trump in our face, right? Right. I think, <laughs> again, like you said, 2016, it was kind of a joke. But at the same time, we were just like, you know what? We got Barack for eight years. Let's go ahead and get behind Hillary. Oh, that's what we were saying. <laughs> To, to, the, to the 20 plus people I spoke to. Yeah, that's what we were saying. Uh, we can let a white woman do it now. Right, we let a <laughs> Bill was her husband. He played the sex. Come on. Um, but I think to your point is that we, because we were separate, we didn't realize how Donald Trump was impacting the people that he was getting up. Like, I can't believe he ran. I'm not going to vote for him. And we went back to our circle. You get what I mean? And we weren't really paying attention to what was going on. I translate that into the comedy thing. I did a show in Snellville and she was like, hey, it's at a church, just this and this. And I'm like, girl I went to high school with, Olivia McKenzie, shout out. Um, and some like old white people. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> I have a lot of jokes, but what can I, what can I convey to them that they'll understand? So I started talking about marriage. You get what I'm saying? So your content and your audience, it should be a crossroad somewhere. You get what I'm saying? They're going to get some of it. If they're not fans, I don't care. But if I can make them laugh, I've made a difference because they see me and I see them. We were like, Whew. you know what I'm saying? It's a standoff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I think art has a liberty sometimes. And it has more license to offend and uh than than almost anything else if i have a picture of jesus up in my house there would be some muslim who might walk in and see that and Hold be up. offended by it white white jesus or black jesus <laughs> either jesus because i might be offended if i it's mean the right you go exactly you go into you go look at the, the last supper image for a lot of people who they're like oh my god that's a beautiful piece of art right and it's all white people on there to some black people that's offensive and the reality is is that uh, the, the only reason, the only way you consume what that artist is delivering is if you pay to do it. They're not in your face as saying that this is something that you absolutely need to have. This is not something, this is not a service that is offered to all the people around the in the in the country. This is this is by invitation only. I mean, you chose to come into this. Right into right. this arena here and although right. you are distorting the truth with this art because that is not the color <laughs> and that is not representative of the history and the facts but it's still art and to some people will <laughs> and some people will appreciate the fictitious nature of that art and the but same although they recognize it's fictitious i think they think it's true <laughs> and that's to me where it becomes dangerous because we're seeing it now people are distorting the history they're 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 changing what actually happened to fit what they would prefer to believe happened in American history, and that's dangerous. That's, so look at you the can call it art, but that's dangerous. Look at the double-edged sword that you're painting, though, because again, let's just say a white painter painted the Last Supper with black people, and it had the food was Popeyes. But we would know that, that I think there are certain things that even but we would say like, something out of frustration and it no, would be okay, haha. I mean, like we know. <laughs> Pass the watermelon. 
<laughs> yeah well i don't think we're going to solve this issue uh today but we we do appreciate you coming in and sharing your insights about uh you, about comedy and and how it's gone i do think that laughter is still the best medicine we can't take ourselves too seriously sometimes sonya always takes herself seriously when nobody else does <laughs> So, it's so unfortunate that they don't that's why the world is where we are today because you don't take, take Sonya and seriously. her wisdom seriously <laughs> ah, now that's the funniest thing you said all day it was like Sonya and her wisdom <laughs> and I said her wisdom Sonya yeah, and her wisdom yeah and her wisdom yeah that's funny that's funny you're a funny girl <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us tell people tell the people how they can get in contact with you Hey, they want to book you. Once again, thank you guys at the round table. Um, follow me at G Way Comedy. Um, you find me at Mr. G Way on Facebook, G Way Comedy on Instagram. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys at my show. Thanks again. Sounds good. All right, take it easy. Thanks for joining us again. Well, I, I hope that you guys that have been tuning in, please go follow Ty. He's extremely funny. Go check out some of his shows if you're ever in the Atlanta area. Um, and again, we thank him so much for being willing to come and be a guest on the show. You, um, as viewers, we also greatly appreciate you. You can catch us every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time right here on Facebook. Um, you can also catch us on your favorite podcast platform, and you can catch us on YouTube. So we'll see you next Saturday. Thank you for again for tuning in. <laughs>